I was reading Psalm 52 not very long ago. And my attention was arrested by those early verses. Now, there is judgment for the evil recorded in this psalm. But it's not what David mentions first. It's not what seems to be most important to him. It is not the source of his comfort and encouragement. Why boastest thou in mischief, O mighty man? The judgment of God is coming. That's what I would have thought would be there. Why boastest thou in mischief, O mighty man? The retribution is coming. Payday someday. All true. But David is moved by the Spirit of God to say this. Why boastest thou in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth Continually, Would you say that phrase with me? The goodness of God endureth continually. Say it again if you don't mind it. The goodness of God endureth continually. I want you to notice, first of all, a retaliation. This psalm references some events that are recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Here's what happened. David departed thence. First Samuel 22.1, escaped to the cave Adullam. This is when he's running away from Saul. See, Saul was trying to kill David. And David made a decision. He decided if he was going to be killed, he didn't want to be there when it happened. If you know somebody's planning to kill you, try not to be there. Try to be someplace else. And he, his brethren, all his father's house, heard it. They went down thither to him, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves on him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you until I know what God will do with me. That's interesting. I just got to wait and see what God will do. Sometimes you don't have to make plans. You just have to wait and see what God will do. And he brought them before the king of Moab. And they dwelt with him all the while the David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad sent unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. The David departed, and they came to the forest of Herod. And Saul heard that David was discovered. And the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all the servants standing about him. David said unto his servants that that were that stood by him, here now ye bend, or, I'm sorry, uh, he's, he's, and all the servants were standing about him. Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, here now ye Benjamins, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me. There's none of you that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. There's none of you that is sorry for me. Watch out for people who want you to feel sorry for them. Watch out if you ever find yourself wishing somebody felt sorry for you. I had a little philosophy when I was pastoring. If you feel sorry for yourself, I won't because you've already got that job covered. None of you felt sorry for me. You showed me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite. Now he's not a, an Israelite, he's an Edomite, he's a pagan. Which was set over the servants of Saul. Saul's promoted this ungodly man 
to a very high position. He said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to him like the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him victuals, and he gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Doeg tells where David has gone and who has helped him. And he, the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came, all of them, to the king. And Saul said, Here now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day? By the way, Saul's completely wrong. David isn't lying at wait. David in wait. David's running away. And there is no conspiracy. Ahimelech didn't know David was coming. David asked for bread. He gave him bread. He asked him to pray for him. He prayed for him. Ahimelech answered to the king. Verse 14, 1 Samuel 22. And said, Who is so faithful among all the servants? Thy servants is David, which is the king's son-in-law. And goeth to thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant. Nor to all the house of my father, thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Oh, I understand him, like you did it in ignorance. No, he didn't. The king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech. Thou and all thy father's house. I'm not going to be content with killing you, I'm going to kill everybody that's related to you. The king said unto the footman that stood about him. Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. This retaliation begins with an angry sovereign, a king who is petty and jealous and self-concerned and worried about his own position and feels that everybody's conspiring against him. You know the definition of paranoia? That's a guy being one of 50,000 fans in the football stand, and he sees the team gather and huddle, and he says, they're talking about me. Saul thinks everybody's against him. An angry sovereign. And then we see some apprehensive subjects. The king said unto the footman that stood before him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, verse 17, because their hand also is with David. They knew it when he fled. didn't show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. Can I say that when you are given an evil commandment by a legitimate authority, you must disobey it? We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, I don't care if you like masks or don't like masks. It's appropriate to wear them because that's what the rule is. I don't care if you like the speed limit or don't like the speed limit. It's appropriate to obey it because that is what the rule is. And if the government tells you that that you've got to drive in the left lane instead of the right lane, if they tell you you've got to change your turn signals, then they can do that. It may be silly. It may be ridiculous. It may be unreasonable, but they can do that. But if the government says... You can only have one child per family. You've got to abort the rest. Then we respectfully decline. If the government says you can no longer give people the gospel, we respectfully decline. If the government says you can't mention the name of Jesus in public, we respectfully decline. Apprehensive servants. They weren't going to kill these innocent people. 
But there is an appeasing servant. Let's read on. The king, verse 18, said to Doeg, Turn now and fall upon the priest. And Doeg, the Edomite, turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. He killed 85 people. He didn't have an AR-15. He didn't have a handgun. He had a sword or a spear. That's a whole lot of work. That's a whole lot of deliberate evil, but it doesn't stop there. Saul said, kill the priests and kill all their families. But he didn't stop there. He killed 85 that were living in Ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword. Men and women, children and sucklings, oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. He killed everything that was alive in the city of Nob because they were the place that Ahimelech was. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. Remember, when you don't like what the preacher does, he's the Lord's servant. He's out of line. God will deal with them. God didn't make it your job to sit in judgment and inspect everything that he does. God will take care of his servant. David said unto Abiathar, I knew it. That day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be safeguarded. We see retaliation and then we see remorse. I've never killed anybody. Tried a few times, but it never worked. I heard that, that if you take the heel of your hand and you punch into somebody's nose and push up, you can kill them. I heard that, but I tried it on several deacons. It never worked. <laughs> One time, years ago, Bob Jones Jr. had preached at our church. I was to take him to the airport in the morning. In the middle of the night, I got a phone call. was called out to the hospital to see a man who was dying. Came back, went to bed, and my wife, after I'd barely fallen asleep, it seemed, said, Honey, what time are you picking up Dr. Bob? I was irritated because I wanted to sleep, but I looked and I was already late. I jumped out of bed, threw on a suit, jumped in my van, and I drove down a road that was right near our, 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 our house, a little two-lane blacktop road called Airport Road. I came to King Road. It's a cross street. There was a stoplight sign at King Road, but I didn't stop. I looked both ways and didn't see anybody coming, and I zoomed through the stop sign. But I'd been looking into the rising sun and didn't see a man in an old Plymouth Fury, big old tank of a car. And I didn't make it across, and he smacked into the back of my van. He hit the van so hard that though I made it across King Road, I was pushed off into a field. The back of the van hit the guy wire of a phone pole, and it snapped off the top of the phone pole. All the doors were crunched in. The windshield was smashed open. I had to crawl out of the windshield to get out of the van. And my first thought was, how am I going to get Dr. Bob to the airport? And then I saw that car and I thought, oh dear God, don't let me have killed somebody else. I'll never forget that. The man was fine. Went to the hospital, was observed and released, no issues. 
Can you imagine how David feels as he wrongly, he didn't do it, Doeg did it, he didn't do it, Saul did it, wrongly assumes responsibility for the death of 85 priests plus all the inhabitants of the city of Nazareth. I want you to get that that's what's going on in David's heart and David's mind when he is moved by the Spirit of God to pen Psalm 52. It's not like he got a parking ticket. It's not like he had a flat tire. It's not like his wife burned the toast at breakfast. It's the most horrible time David has ever experienced. Feeling responsible for the death of 85 priests and the whole city or village of Nod. And he writes these words, Why boastest thou in mischief, Doeg, O mighty man? And then he says the strangest thing, the goodness of God endureth continually. David turned from remorse to rejoicing, not when he thought about the judgment that would come upon Doeg ultimately, not when he thought about the fact that Doeg is going to perish. Oh, all that's true, and it's later in the psalm. But he turned from remorse to rejoicing when he thought about the goodness of God. David's hope was not in the judgment of his enemy. David in the, uh, David's hope was in the goodness of his God. It's an interesting word. It's the word hesed. It's found 248 times in the Bible. The Lord Jesus references, he says, Go and learn what thou meanest. I will have mercy, that word has said, and not judgment. It's correctly translated goodness. It's translated correctly uh, mercy. It's translated correctly loving kindness. 248 times, Psalm 23. The Bible uh, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely, has said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. That's the same word, Psalm 89, 1, the word has said. Thy loving kindness is better than life, Psalm 63, 5. It's the same word. It's also used of keeping covenant. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, God talks about his covenant, and he uses the same word. It is translated rightly every time, but no one word explains all the meaning of that Hebrew word. The idea is of a loving loyalty. Here's what David says. You know what? God always loves me. God's always good to me. God always is merciful. God always is better than I deserve. God always is loyal. He's always faithful to me. And he moved from remorse to rejoicing when he thought of the goodness of God. The goodness of God endureth continually. Say that with me again, would you please? The goodness of God endureth continually. I'm going to give you some reminders. Three things. Don't put your shoes on yet. There's a little bit after them. Number one, man is always flawed. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and his truth is not in us. There is no man, Solomon said, moved by the Spirit of God, that sinneth not. I was talking to the preacher about a sermon I preached a long time ago on Jacob. I called it, I don't like Jacob. 
I went through all, Jacob's a whiner, Jacob's a schemer, Jacob's a mama's boy, Jacob's a complainer, Jacob's a deceiver. I don't like Jacob. And I got to the end of the sermon, I said, but God loved Jacob. Jacob, have I loved, Esau, have I hated. And then I said, and I'm a whole bunch more like Jacob than I am like Joseph. No faults recorded in the Bible about Joseph, lots of faults about me. Harold Seitler preached at our church, a great preacher from South Carolina, the first uh, independent Baptist church, I think, in the state of South Carolina. And uh, Harold Seitler told about the death of his daughter killed by a drunk driver. And that big man with a gravelly old voice said, I find no fault with God. He said, I find plenty of fault with Harold Seitler, but I find no fault with God. Man is always flawed, but God is always faithful. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 6 about verse 13. That God made a covenant with Abraham. And you know it says, since he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Did you know that God made a covenant with us that we cannot keep, but God keeps both sides of the covenant? Uh, man is faithful. God, uh, man is flawed, but God is always faithful. God keeps his word whether we keep ours or not. Elijah runs away from Jezebel and hides under a small little tree and, and, and says, I just as soon die. But God feeds him and gives him rest and gives him a new commission and gives him back to work. Peter denies the Lord three times after being warned by Jesus that he was going to do so and ignoring the warning and the Lord Jesus when he rises in the grave says you go tell my disciples and Peter why did he say that because Peter felt like he'd quit Peter felt like he's enough no longer a disciple and if he just said tell my disciples Peter would have said no that doesn't count me there's two is gone now Judas betrayed him and I denied him but Jesus said oh no Peter you're not getting off that easily you tell my disciples and Peter and he said to Peter feed my sheep feed my sheep feed my lambs and he restored him to service and to fellowship David runs down to Achish he joins forces with a pagan with a Philistine he lies he kills innocent people he kills men, women as well as men, lest anybody should tell on him. He says he's killing Israelites, and he's not. He's killing common enemies of the Philistines and the Israelites. And God, in spite of that, protects him and delivers him. The Israelites make a covenant with the Gibeonites. They're not supposed to do that. They weren't supposed to make a covenant with anybody in the land. They didn't ask counsel of the Lord. They made an agreement right after that. The Gibeonites get in trouble, and God delivers them. Anyway, I want you to know something. I am terrible flawed and God is totally faithful it said David Livingston whenever he faced a time of trial and he faced many would open his Bible to Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 and he'd read those words I am with you always even unto the end of the world and here's what he said he said it is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor and that's the end of it how about that I'm always with you. Man is always flawed. God is always faithful. And therefore, we must never be fearful. You say, but they may pack the Supreme Court. They might, but it won't change the goodness of God. 
You say, well, they might make restrictive laws about churches. They might, that it won't change the goodness of God. You say, well, they're out after me at my workplace because of my faith. They may be, but it's not going to change the goodness of God. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I would submit to you that if David, feeling responsible for the death of 85 priests in an entire village of people, could pause in the midst of remorse and start rejoicing because of the goodness of God, it might be a good idea for you and I to do the same thing. The goodness of God took a shepherd boy, thought unworthy by his own family. They didn't even think to bring him out in front of Samuel. If you read the story of Jesse bringing his sons in front of Samuel, you'll find the word again. Again, Jesse brought seven of his sons. In other words, he put everybody up there twice before he put David there once. But the goodness of God took David and made him the king of the nation of Israel. It was the goodness of God that took Joseph from the pasture to the pit, to the house of Potiphar, to the the prison, and put him in the palace. It was the goodness of God that took the chiefest of sinners and made him a cheerleader for the saints and the human instrument to pen 13 or 14 of the 27 New Testament books by the goodness of God. The ravens fed Elijah. Samson got water from the jawbone of a donkey. The goodness of God provided enough oil for a widow lady to keep her sons from going into slavery and set her up in the oil business. The goodness of God took a million two hundred thousand adult Jews who whined and murmured and complained and disobeyed and were ungrateful. And in spite of all that, he put them in the promised land just like he said. We may deny him, but the Bible says... He cannot deny himself. His word is the word of a gentleman of the strictest sort, and that's the end of it. You say, I've really messed up. Well, the goodness of God endureth continually. You say, I'm alarmed at what's going on in our country. Well, that's probably true, but say it. The goodness of God endureth continually. Well, I'm under attack. Uh, Probably so. But the goodness of God endureth. I'm tired of all the confusion that's going on around us. I am too. But the goodness of God endureth continually. You say, but they've been really unfair to me at work. Probably they are. But say it. The goodness of God endureth continually. You say, but I keep doing the same dumb thing over and over. You might, but the goodness of God endureth continually. You say, I've had more chances than I could possibly deserve. So have I, but the goodness of God endureth continually. You say, my family's a mess and my children are breaking my heart. Maybe, but the goodness of God endureth continually. You say, I have no idea what this world is coming to. Well, I don't know what it's going to come to in the short term, but I know what's coming to it in the long term. And there's going to come a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But in the meantime, I'm not going to get too worked up about it because the goodness of God endureth continually. God's goodness is greater than my anxiety, than my uh, adversaries, than my addiction. God's goodness is greater than our burdens, our battles, and our bondage. God's goodness is greater than all our concerns and all our confusion and all of our calamities. God's goodness exceeds our depression, our disappointments, our difficulties. God's goodness overcomes our enemies. Uh, uh, God's goodness is greater than the election results. God's goodness is greater than our excess 
blesses God's goodness exceeds our failures, our faithlessness, and our fears. The goodness of God brings us from famine to feasting, from sorrow to joy, and gives beauty for ashes. You will never outlive, outlast, or exceed in any way the goodness of God. They can burn down our cities, but they can't turn back the goodness of God. They can quarantine us, but they can't contain the goodness of God. They can legislate against believers, but they cannot eliminate the goodness of God. They can key your car and kill your cat and call you crazy, but they cannot stop the goodness of God. You say, but the news is discouraging. I mentioned this Sunday morning. Turn it off. Read your Bible. Rejoice in the goodness of God. You say, but I don't know what the future holds. Well, neither do I, but I know I'm going to be cared for by the goodness of God. You say, but I've never faced anything like this before. Probably not, but the goodness of God endureth continually. Would you understand something? What's happening in the world does not have one thing to do with our responsibility as God's children. Not a thing. I was in Montana. Dr. Chapel was there. I was preaching and he was hunting. And he came to the service in his camels. He killed a nice eight-point buck that day. And we went out to dinner afterwards and we watched the news and saw that Barack Obama had been elected president. And I, I had not hoped for Mr. Obama. His agenda was not as favorable to my beliefs from the Bible as his opponent. But you know what? I said, well... My job tomorrow morning is the same as it was this morning. <laughs> Doesn't change it a bit. Nah, or, but what, let them do what they want to do. Let them, let them make any laws they want to make. Let them be as harsh as they want to. Uh, let them, and, and be right and be a good citizen. I mentioned be salt and be light. But it doesn't change what we do. Our job is the same no matter what happens in the world. I mentioned this just briefly, I think, in the invitation but you need to get hold of Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. I read about a Russian countess who'd become a Christian. The Tsar was very unhappy with her decision, and he thought he would bring her to her senses by putting her in jail for a day. And here is this lady raised in the lap of luxury, one of the elites of her society, spending her life in the courts of desire. And now she is placed in a dirty, vermin-infested jail with the most common of criminals. And he calls her out and said, Are you ready now to give all that nonsense up and come back to your position? And she smiled and she said to the czar, I have known more peace and more joy one day in prison with the Lord Jesus Christ than I knew my whole life in the courts of the czar. There's a lady in our church named Bonnie Ryle. Bonnie was married to a preacher, and he left her. She never remarried. She raised her kids the best she could. She had a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, financial trouble. Children broke her heart. She called me. Three, four months ago, maybe not that long. She said, Pastor, why don't you pray for my, my grandson living in another state? Took out a knife and stabbed my son, his father, repeatedly. She said, then my grandson went out in the front yard and took a gun and blew his brains out. My son is in critical condition in the hospital. They don't know if he's going to live or not. Can you imagine that? 
And I said, oh, Bonnie, I'm so sorry. I'll sure pray for you. And then she said this, Pastor, I'm not mad at God. I love God. She said, I woke up this morning with such peace and such certainty and such joy that God is in control no matter what. You know what she found out? The goodness of God endureth continually. Would you say it with me one more time? The goodness of God endureth continually. 